Sound design. I don't care what brand of amp you have. I don't care whether your bassist is a vegetarian. Like the best thing you can do is put the channel numbers on each riser or like area of equipment so I know exactly where everything is. Sound design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the home of the world's best online training and sound system tuning that you can do at your own pace from anywhere in the world. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by long-term festival patch monkey. From Village Fate to the main stage at Reading Festival, Beth has read and interpreted countless audio writers and knows what separates the successful ones from those destined to create chaos at changeover. Beth O'Leary, welcome to Sound Design Live. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you just explained this to me, but but let's just get it, you know, <laughs> on the recording again. Um, for Americans, what is a fate? Yeah, so a fate is like a local kind of affair, basically. So when if you do a village fate, then it's like, it's really small time, teeny tiny stages. So Beth, I definitely want to talk to you about, you know, some of the great stage plot mishaps that you've run across. <laughs> but before I do that, after you get, you know, a sound system set up, or if you're working on the stage, maybe you're setting up the monitor system, what is maybe one of the first pieces of music that you're going to play to get familiar with it? Yeah, well, I don't find myself in front of the system very often, but if I do, I usually quite like listening to stuff that has a lot going on in it. So maybe Two Step by Dave Matthews Band. Or Tight Rope by Janelle Monáe. Some people talk about you like they know all about you. When you get down, they doubt you. And when you dip it on the scene, yeah, they talking about it. Because they can't dip on the scene, what you talk about it. Or if it's a, it depends on the gig, I guess. Maybe some Rage Against the Machine goes to Tom Jode, something nice and big and heavy. Yes. <laughs> All right, Beth, so how'd you get your first job in audio? Like, what was your first paying gig? Now, this is a bit confusing. So I got Don't into audio. Me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to be this British translation again. So in the UK, universities have like students unions, which is kind of like a hub where everyone goes and there's like restaurants and venues sure. and stuff like that. So I started working there. They had a student committee that you could join and, and they'd teach you everything you needed to know. But you also work for free. Like we worked for CD vouchers. That's how old I am for any of the younger listeners. Nice. But if that was money, it would have been like 50p an hour. It was not really a paying job. But during that, we had like a, an intense training week and the head of audio from a local company came in and was teaching us desks. And I kind of said, you know, I'm really interested in doing more of this. And he, he asked if I wanted to come and help on this festival that was on a boating lake. So front of house and the audience were on the, the mainland. And then the stage was a pagoda in the middle of a boating lake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all Please the tell me that was your first gig. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and all the gear and all the bands were transported back and forth by motorized swan. Sure. <laughs> so sure. Was... I believe all of this, by the way. <laughs> why, how would I make that up? Like, why? Uh -huh. So that was, that was the start, I guess. 
Wow. And so, so just remind me again, how did you get that gig? Someone was training, doing some training and you were there and he just invited yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So I'd love to zoom in on another point in your career. I'm always kind of curious, like what was like the very starting point And like, if you could pick out another point in your career where you made maybe a hard left turn or you just felt like I'm going to do something completely different or I'm going to stop doing this thing and only do this thing now. So the question is, looking back on your career so far, what's one of the best decisions you made to get more of the work that you really love? I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way of saying this. Uh, Whoa, why do you, you don't need to be diplomatic. <laughs> but, Real um, talk. So I think a big thing for me was really stepping up, expanding my client base, because I think I've seen it with other people as well, where you get in with a company or a couple of companies and you kind of go, okay, I'm starting I'm at the bottom, now. but if I work oh, hard, sorry, well, yeah, but you're comfortable, you know, the people there, but you're like, if I just, you know, I'm getting the lower roles at the moment, but if I just keep going and going, I'll, I'll progress. And then okay. f- uh, for me, I, I was doing that with a couple of companies and especially where I live in Sheffield in England, it's, it's really central, but there's not a huge audio presence here in a way. So you kind of have to push and like talk to people, like talk to companies from other cities. And I kind of found myself a little bit in a rut and, you know, the companies, you know, when, when people kind of treat you like you're still the same person as they first met you. And Mm -hmm. I was just kind of not really going anywhere. So pushing to get in with other companies to make new connections really helped open that up and kind of bit of a fresh start and a bit of a change of pace. Okay. And how did you know to do that? Did did someone else suggest that to you or you were just feeling like, okay, I'm feeling stuck. I need to uh, branch out. Um, a bit of both. I mean, it kind of got to the point where I was kind of like, well, some, some newer people were kind of skipping me in the ranks kind of thing. And you know, some Uh-oh. people, some people are new and they're super talented and that's fine. But it kind of got to the point where it's like, wait a minute, that guy is not better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going on here. So I was just kind of like, you know, it's not, it's not that there's bad blood between me and those people or anything like that. It's just kind of got a bit stale, needed a bit of a change. And I still work for those companies as well. But now that it's kind of a bit more spread out, I think that's a bit better for all of us, really. Would you agree that it's, it's sort of difficult to, to know what the path is or the things in, in pro audio, it's sort of difficult to know what you need to do to progress? Or do you feel like that's pretty clear to you now looking back? I think it can be tough because we know we don't have a very regimented industry at all. Like you don't have to have qualifications. You don't have to have gone to a certain university and most of us are freelancers. So you can't kind of go, oh, well, I'm the assistant manager now. I want to be the manager. You're kind of like, well, this week I'm doing this job and then next week I'm going to be doing that job. So you don't really know. It's hard without hindsight to know exactly how your career is progressing. And I think as well, some people, some people you know, get going really quickly and that's great. But some people, it does take a bit longer and it's hard to tell whether you should just keep at it or whether you should try a different tech. I'm not sure if that actually answered the question. No, that's really helpful. (laughs) I mean, instead of generalizing, you just like, you have to keep trying things until you find the things that work for you, that help you stand out, help you, whatever it is that's going to help you move forward probably no one's going to be able to tell you exactly what it is, especially for you and your conditions and your location Mm. and like all those things that add up to, you know, having a growing career in pro audio. Mm. 
And it's hard as well because like most companies don't have an HR department or anything like that. Like because uh, I know on a few forums, especially forums with a lot of American women on it, maybe people who work in, in theatres or something like that, where it's a bit more structured. If there's a problem, people are like, oh, well, just talk to HR. It's like there is no HR in any, <laughs> yeah. in any companies I work for. So, you know, no, no one else is looking after your prog- career progression. You really have to work on it yourself because, you know, you're not an employee, so they're not really that bothered, I think. For, yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, let's dive into talking about stage plots. So at the most recent Live Sound Summit, you did this great presentation all about stage plots. It's called Advancing the Plot. If people want to see it, it's at livesoundsummit2020.sounddesignlive.com. But it was great. You showed us like a lot of things that you've seen people do wrong, people do right, what you prefer to see. And you are in the best position to talk about this because you are the one that has to interpret these on a regular basis. And I I don't know if I'm going to get it right, but one of my favorite quotes from your presentation is you saying, I am the idiot test. (laughs) If there's anything that can be misunderstood about your stage plot, I will misunderstand it. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, I like how that's what you took away was (laughs) I'm an idiot. (laughs) No, not that you're an idiot, but that, you know, in in the rush of like doing the job and doing things quickly, like Mm -hmm. I felt like what you were really highlighting is how important the clarity of these documents is. Yeah. And that if you have anything on there that could be misunderstood, like something in the wrong place or spelled wrong or just the wrong, I don't, you know, a li- mm. you know, then it has to be all super clear, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think something I didn't really make clear in the presentation was, you know, especially for festivals, you might be like, oh, well, it's only one small difference, you know, or that's pretty clear, but, but <laughs> you don't know who else I've been interacting with on that day. And some people, their stuff is just an absolute mess. <laughs> and, you know, they might be nice people, but they take up all my energy and all my mental ability trying to work with them and their, you know, people who bring half their own line system and then want to integrate it with yours. And it's just like, oh, my God. So <laughs> so if you're someone who's seeing me eight hours into that shift, things might be misinterpreted unless you're crystal clear. And I know and, and not to sound big headed, but I am one of the more experienced people doing this. If I misinterpret it, then if you're going to a smaller festival or, you know, working with a newer person, they don't stand a chance of understanding what you're doing. So, sure. you know, anything, it only takes a few seconds to clear it up. But those are seconds that you could be spending getting your sound right instead of messing about with this stuff. Totally. So let's talk about some of those things that you have misunderstood and that you've seen other people misunderstand. (laughs) You know, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making who are, you know, creating their own stage plots? I think just the main thing that audio people do, because I know when musicians make their own stage plots, it's a whole different (laughs) level of vagueness, which is not helpful. But for audio people, it's mainly people go crazy with like getting the perfect to the millimeter actual diagram of their exact setup, like, you know, painting their front man's actual face onto the thing, you know, making it absolutely perfect, but then absolutely crammed full of stuff. And very little of it is actually the information that I need. (laughs) So it's like, I don't care what brand of amp you have. I don't care whether your bassist is a vegetarian, like, (laughs) <laughs> the amount of stuff that people put on there that is nothing to do with what I need. But then they won't have, like, the best thing you can do is put the channel numbers 
on each riser or like area of equipment so I know exactly where everything is. And so many people have these full on diagrams, but they don't have any numbers on them. And it's like, okay, your guitar amp is probably where that guitar channel is going to go. I get that. But like things like playback, a lot of the time it's on the drum riser, not necessarily. It could be a monitor world. It could be anywhere. Or sans amp are a big thing because obviously they're usually in the pedal board, usually in a bass pedal board, but not always. Sometimes they're up on the amp and it's like, you can't just presume that it's obvious. And it, it's not that the stage person is a dumbass for not knowing. It's because they've seen lots of different setups and there's not one way to do it. So just put the numbers on the on the picture. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone successfully include humor in their stage plot? Yeah. Yeah, we've had... Can you give um, me an example? I've, wanted, I've always wanted to do that. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. It'll be misunderstood. And then it, they'll create confusion. So, so tell me something funny you've seen on a stage plot. Well, I've seen a few where instead of people in the band, they have like little pictures of kittens and bunnies, uh, which, is, <laughs> <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just big smiley faces, like, you know, like emoji almost drawn on. Uh, you know, it's... it's the humor more works for kind of supporting notes rather than the essential information. Like if you're going to be like, oh, our front man is a, is a lunatic. He, you know, runs through the crowd. He does X, Y, Z. And you can like, you can be funny with it while getting the points across that, you know, you need to tape the hell out of the vocal mic or something like that. But yeah, kind of joking around with, oh, I want to beat a 52 on my overheads. And it's just like, I can tell you're joking. Someone might not. <laughs> like. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, some things that can be misinterpreted and things that need to be clear. Is there a standard template? Like if you could wave a magic wand, is there an ideal stage plot? Uh, it depends on your setup. So I really like those ones that it's just one page with the stage plot and then you've got the channel list on the same page. So you're not flicking back and forth trying to go like, oh, channels eight to 10, what actually are they? It always helps to have a second page with more detail of like what mics you need, what stands and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's, they're really nice. There's a software called Stage Plot Pro that does really nice clear diagrams for you, which does all that one page stuff. But it really, you know, it really depends on your band. Like if you've got a hundred channels and stuff going all over the place, don't try to cram it all in onto one page. That's fine. <laughs> like it's a is much about white space as about getting the information across, I think. Because if there's just too much stuff shoved in with like tiny, tiny writing, it's like it's not going to help anything. And at this point, are you do you have like a binder full of this stuff or are you just opening this up on your phone or an iPad? I I like to have the paper. I know some people like to have iPads or tablets, but I'm very clumsy and forgetful. So um, I like to have paper and at least one spare copy because the amount of times I have left my paperwork on a drum riser when it's gone on stage, including including shows that are televised. So, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully... I uh, never noticed that. But yeah, I always end up losing at least uh, for at least part of the day. So sure. paper, I can roll up. I usually have like cargo shorts on with big pockets. So I just roll up the paper, shove it in my pocket. So I've always got it with me because I'm looking at it constantly. 
I've done some gigs where I haven't been able to print stuff off and, you know, I've been looking at stuff on my phone, but it's a lot of the time, unfortunately, it tends to be corporate events that do that. And then the client is watching me and they think I'm just like on my phone the whole time. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I've run into that problem too. I, well, I won't tell the whole story, but yes, this has happened to me and exactly on a corporate event where we were using our phones for communication. And so I had the A2 looking at his phone often to get information from me mm-hmm. and ended up being a, a huge problem later down the line. The client never said anything to us in the moment, but later on they're like, hey, the audio guy was on his phone the whole time. And mm. yeah, so that's the end of my short story. But, um, you know, I learned my lesson. Like you have to make that stuff really clear. And I don't know how you would handle it otherwise, except to say to the client, hey, we're going to be using our phones for communication. So if it ever looks like we're ignoring you <laughs> or, or if we're playing games. Yeah. So I'm not sure yeah. the best way to handle that. But is that similar to what happened to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, hopefully they didn't make an official complaint about it. But I think I can, you can see their faces sometimes that they're kind of like, why does she keep checking her phone? It's like, because I'm looking at your <laughs> stage. <pop. laughs> yeah. And again, you know, if you need to make any changes or anything, it's so much easier on paper to try and if you've got a PDF on your phone that you're trying to look at and then you're like, oh, but that's not actually that anymore. And it's just like, I, I find it much easier just to use paper and yeah, go old school. You know, I want, I'll just say one more thing about this because I was just remembering that also at Life Sound Summit, Drew Brashler made a presentation and one tiny thing he mentioned that stuck with me was that he doesn't use his phone. He uses pen and paper when he's taking notes with people and then later puts it into his phone just because he's found that people uh, have a different reaction with him when he's using his phone. And mm. I wonder if that'll change in 10 years and everyone will, you know, it won't be a confusion anymore, but I'm just remembering he also talked about how people sort of misunderstand that. So, yeah. Yeah, paper. I think it's still, especially if you've got a clipboard to go with the paper, I think people think you're a lot more organized and, and official than if you're just like, tapping things into a notes app in your phone, which is just as effective. But it, yeah, it's the appearance of it that's unfortunately still a little bit of a problem. Wow. I think you just solved this. All I need is a clipboard. I put my phone on that and then it looks <laughs> yeah. official. Yeah. All right. We solved it. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. Well, see you later. Okay. Bye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, I feel like you have a lot of good stories. So I'd like to hear another story and I'd like to hear about a time that you feel like you screwed up and maybe it was big, maybe it was painful and, and sort of what happened afterwards. Just one story? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The one time you made a big mistake that one time, remember? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Um, (laughs) Again, I guess talking about talking about maybe clients, you saw someone else made a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, my happened. friend, my friend yeah. had a terrible gig. No, I mean I've I've made loads of mistakes over the years, and uh, it's hard not to dwell on them and to kind of beat yourself off about it. But you've just got to kind of accept that these things happen and move on and try and do better next time. But um, I think probably the, if we're talking about client communication, one of my worst gigs, annoyingly, was the first gig I did for a company and was my last. Um, yeah, so I was doing front of house for a corporate gig. So a whole bunch of lav mics in a really, really difficult room. Could not stop them ringing. It was awful. We had a rehearsal day and then we had the show day and I 
stayed late and I came in early and I talked to other engineers about what I could do to fix it because, you know, EQ was just not doing anything. Annoyingly, looking back on it, I think because I had an in-house tech with me and I kind of followed his lead a bit too much because I was like, well, he works in this room all the time. He knows when actually he wasn't an amazing tech, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But so I worked really hard to try and fix it. But I never took that time to stop and say to the client, hey, I know this is a problem. I am working on it. I just presumed it was obvious that (laughs) I was working on it. And I have a little bit of resting bitch face, especially when I'm focusing. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So this, you know, the client, all she saw was me just like looking angry. And I guess because I wasn't running around and like I was at the desk the whole time, which is, you know, how you fix it. But if you're not technical, you don't know that. And so I didn't communicate properly. So she didn't say anything at the time. It wasn't as bad for the actual show, but they were still ringing. There were still problems. And then all smiles and said thanks and said bye and then sent an email to the office complaining not just about my competence, but my attitude. And yeah, so that was the last show I ever did for them, which I was like, yeah, I was devastated because it's like, okay, I don't know everything in the world. I'm not perfect, but like, I like to think that I have the right attitude and I'm, you know, I'd never be rude to someone or anything like that. But, you know, with hindsight, I could see that I should have been clearer about what I was doing. Because it's not, it's obvious to us that, that that we're working on the problem, but it's not obvious to the client. So just taking a couple of minutes to make that clear, is, it makes all the difference, I think. Wow, what a tough lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's funny. It's this weird combination of often working alone, right? Where you're mm. sort of like in charge of managing various people and their expectations and communications. And you're trying to do this technical job and it's maybe in a place you've never been to before, and maybe there's some gear thrown into the mix. And ultimately, I think this is what makes the job continually sort of interesting for us, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to the same office every day. We're not always using the same tools every day. And so variety is important. But then, you know, I don't know know how to wrap (laughs) this up except to say that it's, it's challenging. And even sometimes when we feel like we're doing our best to handle it, that's not what's visible. Mm. Right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I don't know what there's nothing else that you could have done differently, except as you mentioned, tried to communicate to them, Hey, here's what's going on. So just don't think that, you know, I'm angry. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, it's a shame that I lost that client, but it was a good lesson to learn of like, and it was quite a long time ago now. So it was a good lesson to learn early on that just just a couple of sentences. You don't need to go into the technical details of what's going on, but just a couple of sentences to to let them know, you know, there's a problem. You're working on it. You are, you know, they are your priority and not then they don't need to worry about it is uh, it makes all the difference, I think. OK, so Luke Coley sent me a question to ask you. He said, what software is the standard for use? Now, you mentioned Stageplot Pro. But do you consider that the standard or is there something that is the standard? I, I think that's the standard. That's the, the, the style, the template I see most coming through. I mean, it's, you don't have to have it at all. Like it's a paid for thing. Uh, you can get a free trial. So if you're confident that your band's not going to change anything, you can, uh, <laughs> you can do it in the free trial and then cancel. But uh, it's totally not necessary. Like you don't need, like I would much rather have a handwritten as long as your handwriting is clear, a handwritten plot with the information 
I need in it than an all bells and whistles, fancy, slick looking picture, (laughs) picture of a gig with nothing on it, (laughs) which I've seen quite a few times. Sure. So, yeah, I know everyone loves to have the software and sometimes it can be, you know, if you're doing a whole bunch of plots for a whole bunch of different people, that's it really speeds up the process. But, you know, MS Paint and, and, and an Excel spreadsheet is just fine, you know. Beth, what's in your work bag? Like, are there a couple of interesting or unique items that you think you could share with us? I would say the most useful thing I own is a DB Box 2, which is like, it's a signal generator and headphone amp in one. So, and it's got a little speaker on it. So basically any line system issues, you can chase it. And it does analog, AES, MIDI, whole bunch of stuff. And it's all just one box. So it's really useful. It's really got me out of a hole quite a few times. Apart from that, what do I have? I've got, when I'm doing patch stuff, I've got a little E604 with the clip broken off. I didn't break it off. It was broken. (laughs) That's why I'm using it. (laughs) Um, With Jack to XLR on a carabiner. So I have it on my belt all the time and that's for line checking you know if, if something's wrong if something's wrong with a channel the first thing you should do is just put a mic on the line and check that the line is clean and you know so you can say to the backline text that this is your problem <laughs> um, and then jack to xlr so you can get it into a di so that, that again that's super useful use it a lot what else do i have I got given a rat sniffer on the last tour I was on. That was nice. Oh, nice. Thanks, Baz. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and for people who don't know, rat sniffer is... Uh, yeah, explain that. It's a little bit like a phantom power checker. It's it's a little tube, an XLR tube that comes apart in two pieces. And it's got little LEDs on it. And so when you plug one end in to one end of your signal chain and the other end into the other, you can see whether you're actually forming a signal chain and if a leg is down or the phantom power is not coming through, the different patterns on the LED will tell you what the problem is. It's super useful. Cool. Uh, what else? I've got I've got an RF Explorer, which again is handheld portable RF scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, I actually plugged that into a little Omni antenna rather than using the antenna that comes with it just because that an, an RF guru I know said that is really helps Mm-hmm. with its efficacy so that's again quite handy to try and because you can walk around with it you know you, it's great to do a scan with a unit but if you've got issues if you've got interference you can walk around with the rf scanner and then find what it is that's doing it sure have you have you found anything like someone that's broadcasting that's not supposed to be or something that's on that's not supposed to be yeah there's been a couple of times where it turns out we were quite near like a small local tv station in the middle okay. of London. I was wow. like, where, where did this come from? Uh-huh. Um, or usually it's cheap video wall. <laughs> That's sure. causing horrible, okay. horrible issues. Beth, what about books? What's one book that you feel like has been really helpful to you? I'm going to say, I have to go and look at my bookshelf to find. You're not going to see it with my background. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's The Ultimate Live Sound Operator's Handbook by Whoa. Bill Gibson. Cool. Which is cool. It's nice. It's, uh, you know, it's all kind of, it, it was aimed at, it's a big textbook, but it's aimed at beginners and it's, you know, clear language all the, and an accompanying DVD that got scratched up within about two days of owning it. But, you know, it's a nice idea to be able to actually hear what they're talking about. But I'm actually quite bad. Like, I don't read many 
audiobooks is not the right word because no one reads audiobooks. Books about audio. Hmm, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all for book learning. I love reading books, but there's just something about a lot of audiobooks that is just sucks the joy out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, I just can't stick with it. So, I mean, I really, I watch webinars, I do courses, I, I even read manuals. I've read entire desk manuals. Yeah. But, but books about audio, I don't have that many. I feel like there's a difference in the urgency of the information, you know? Like if there's a desk that you're going to use tomorrow and you're reading the manual for it, like it all feels super important and interesting, mm. you know? Um, <laughs> if it's something that's like just in case you might need someday, sometime, like it's hard to get excited about that. Yeah, it's also kind of like, especially if you're reading about mixing, it's quite difficult for me to retain that information or to to understand exactly what they mean without having a desk in front of me. And usually if I have a desk in front of me, I'm working and I'm busy, so I don't have time for reading sure. books. <laughs> so a bit of a catch-22. Beth, tell me about your experience during quarantine. Are you sort of like stuck at home? Are you doing education? Are you like getting a few gigs? What what's the, What's it been like for you? I am at home. I am mainly learning to code because I think okay. that's interesting. And I've got yeah, a couple of projects. That. Well, I mean... I'm just kind of chugging along with it, learned a bit of Python, learned a bit of C. I've got some projects that I would like to be able to do in the long term. So I'm kind of just working towards that. Can you tell um, us or are they secret? Oh, they're secret. Secrets. <laughs> Secrets. <laughs> but once you start thinking about it, like, because, and I was kind of thinking maybe in my downtime, even like a couple of years ago before all this happened, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to be able to like be a freelance programmer and fill in g gaps which I've now found doesn't really work in the programming world. It's not really like us, but anyway. But you need to have, your portfolio is like a GitHub page where you, you host programs that mm. any potential employer can like play around with and look at your code and all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was like, oh God, I've got to think of like projects to make. I can't think of anything. But once you start learning and once you start thinking like so many times now I've been like, oh, I'd really like to be able to do that. Oh, maybe I can program it. So uh -huh. I've got, and I think there are so many things to do with audio that could benefit from programming. And I know I'm not the only person learning to program either. A lot of people are, are getting on it. So hopefully sure. after all this is over, silver lining is there's going to be a million and one apps and ways to make our lives better. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, well, keep us updated. Love to, to see what you're working mm -hmm. on eventually. <laughs> no, it's a secret. Secrets. <laughs> okay. Do you listen to any podcasts? Yeah, not you do. to okay. do with audio. <laughs> no, that's good. I just want to know, like, what are the one or two that you have to listen to every time they come out? I love Freakonomics. I think that's it's really well put together and it's super interesting. No matter what they're talking about, they've they make it really clear and fun, but also like you do learn a lot about economics, which is not something I thought would be that important or interesting, but once you get into it, it, it's it's not just about economics. It's about kind of how people think and behave and how a lot of the time it's actually not intuitive and sure. the results can surprise you. So that's quite cool. Now's a perfect time to be, sorry to just comment on that. Now's a perfect time to be diving into that, right? Because we are stuck in this world where it feels like if 
the economy is in recession and people don't behave in a certain way, like, for example, going to shows, then we don't work. Mm. And so I've been trying to wrap my head around that a little bit as well. Like, is there a way for us as sound engineers to diversify so that we can like balance out a little bit so that when the economy does this, we can do this other thing. And when people aren't mm-hmm. going to shows and we have the next quarantine pandemic, then we can do this other thing. Like, it, is, have you been thinking about that a little bit? Is that kind of where your interest in, like, let me learn some Python came from? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been thinking about this for years, partly because I was lucky enough to be unwell a couple of times over the last few years. So Interesting. Not Yeah, not enough to actually fully stop me from working, but I had to work a lot less and, you know, basically both times I couldn't lift anything. So there were lots of gigs that I had to say no to. So that kind of made me realize that, you know, it's work is not always going to keep coming and you've got to have a backup plan and preferably a backup plan that you can do that's not physical and is in location independent would be perfect. So I think programming is one of those things. And yeah, I think I've I've been saying for a long time you should have a backup plan, but not actually working on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I've been meaning to do this. But I know a lot of people's backup plans would be like, oh, well, you know, I tour and rock and roll. If that dries up, I'll go and do corporate work or I'll go and do theatre or I am in theatre and I'm going to do in-house stuff. And it's like it was all kind of just different parts of audio, which unfortunately the whole thing went away in one go. And it's really kind of driven home for me, I think, that you need to have something that's completely unrelated to shore you up and preferably, as I say, location independent. So for me, I'm not great with the winters, which is, I know it sounds really stupid, but like... Wait, is uh, that because winters are hard in Sheffield? I mean, you're in Minneapolis, so I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Tell me about hard winters. No, they're like pretty mild, but it's there's just something about like not having enough hours of daylight makes me almost hibernate. Uh (laughs) So you'd like to go to the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, or, you know, so in January, I went to the Canaries for a couple of weeks, which is like as far south as Africa. It belongs to Spain, but it's... Mm -hmm. off the coast of Africa. And that made a big difference. You know, just, I was happier. I was more active. I was more productive. So it's not like... Did you hang out with Raj Mogale? Isn't that where he is? No, I don't don't know. Okay. Uh, Uh, He's the started Void Acoustics. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Well, I'm probably going to go back if we can travel. I'm going to go back this winter. So I'll look it up. But yeah, so it's not, it's not the end of the world if I have to stay here for winter, but it's kind of, you know, I'm not as productive and it's just a bit meh. So if I can, I was thinking, you know, if I, I love traveling as well. So it's like, if I can travel and work at the same time, that's fantastic. And sure. programming is the way to go for something like that. But there's lots of audio stuff you can do as well. Like, I don't know if you know April Tucker. Who's she's, that? Uh, she's really active in Sound Girls, but she does a lot of film and studio work okay. and so she put together like a little free course on how to get started in, in dialogue editing which is actually really interesting I watched mm-hmm. it and read it and it was and she was like well that's one of the kind of entry-level jobs for the film side of things and it can be done remotely is is almost always done remotely really so that's another avenue that I was looking at which would be cool okay so I interrupted you you said Freakonomics and then you were going to say another one yeah 
I've started listening to <laughs> the Biscuit Sessions from Ancrew Live, which is so the Ancrew Live is a couple of guys from the industry over here have put together a radio station that's kind of you know music and chat, but it's also talking about mental health in the industry. Mm. And so the Biscuit Sessions is just two of those guys chatting, and they had me on last week as well. So I kind of listened up, and uh, it's quite interesting. There's not so many of them out yet, but. Uh, it's kind of, it's it's like being back in the bus and just hearing other people chat about the industry and talk shop all day. <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, and the Sound Girls podcast. Have a bit of a plug for that. Sure. Be- that's a, It's got all kinds of people on it and talking about audio and, and lots of other stuff. And it's it's a fun one. All right, Beth. Well, where is the best place for people to follow your work? <laughs> Sound Girls, I guess. I blog for Sound Girls. Not really about my work, just about general principles of audio and and life i don't really have much else of a online presence i mean i'm on linkedin but no that's great we'll link to your (laughs) your author or your contributor page on sound girls cool well beth thank you so much for joining me on sound design live thanks for having me sound design this episode was edited by noah feldman features music from an artist named Alejandro Magana. You can find more at mixkit.co. Sound Design Live is supported by Ellis Learn Stage Lighting, Joel Sinqui, Bob Pedro Martin, Rody Free Radio, Scott Ross, Voyager Sound, John Dave, DC Sound Op, Nicholas Kuba, Chris and Terry. You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $1 over at patreon.com/sounddesignlive. slash